Hey all. You know, as a member of our Real Vision community, I want to give you something special. And that special thing is early access to our massive Black Friday sale with an incredible discount plus some more free stuff for you. You see, for me, getting prepared for 2024 is key for all of us. It's going to be a banner macro year. We've got a US election, a crypto bull market. We've got rate cuts to come. We've got technology. We've got everything at play all at the same time. And you need to be prepared for all of that. So realvision.com forward slash early Black Friday. Take advantage of the offers right now and set yourself up for an incredible 2024. Thanks. Inflation is down, but does that mean it's contained? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today is Mish Schneider, Chief Strategist at MarketGage.com. Hi, Mish. It's great to see you. Always so much fun to be here, Maggie. Thanks for having me on. So we have had so much going on in the market since you were last with us. I know you were traveling all over the place. Um, but today, if we look at the action, we had another rally in stocks. They've been on a tear all month. NASDAQ leading the way up uh, over a percent, a percent and a quarter. Treasury yields backed up, but just a little bit. That 10-year still well off uh, its peak, and the dollar hit a two-month low. Investors, the message that seems to be coming through is investors think inflation's tame, the Fed's done hiking. Maybe, in fact, the next move some point next year will be an ease. How are you thinking about this macro environment? Well, I have not for one second stop believing that we are ripe for a potential hyperinflation move. And it's always a matter of where is it going to come from. So people like to pinpoint the reasons why we're more deflationary. And certainly there are areas of the market that are more deflationary at this point. But really, if you look back and step back, we see many, many areas and pockets that are still extremely rich, particularly in the grains and some of the soft commodities. And with the dollar falling, uh, we have a couple of other inherent problems that could develop. And I sent you a chart, but before we get to the chart, because um, it's really a fascinating chart, and it actually gives us a time projection. Oh, there it is. It's up. Okay. So this is a chart, and I, I want we'll start with this, and then I'll give you a couple of reasons. So this is a chart that tracks the current inflation to that period, the famous period between 1966 and 1982. I know before all of us were born, but nonetheless, this is really when inflation was obviously the thing. And so what's amazing is if you look at the peak of inflation in 1974 to 1975, that sort of orangey line that's running with it is actually right on top at that peak in 2022. So you can see how, if you go back a little bit before that, the blue line represents that decade, the yellow line more of what's going on right now. Look how closely yeah. it's been. And then it goes up to that 1974 peak and that fits perfectly with the 2022 peak. And then look what happened. We spent two, three years coming down in inflation during that time in the mid-70s, just like we're coming down in inflation as we're getting to the end of 2023. And there's a little bit of a turn up there, which that's from two months ago. So this month, obviously, it was more flatline. So that tells you something really interesting. What kind of mistakes happened back then that could happen now to create 
if we're so well in line, if you look at that next peak up that happened after 1977, as we got into 79 and then where it totally went away in 82, that puts us at 2024, 2025 potential of where we could also spike in inflation. So why? I mean, that's obviously the big question. So a couple of things. And, you know, if I'm if I'm going on, stop. No, me, please. No, please. I just want to point out for people in case you can't see it where we're sitting right now, that sort of orange line is on the downward trajectory. Right. We haven't tra traced up. And then what Mish is talking about is now that next peak, which took us even higher. But that we're, we're just on the downward getting to sort of the bottom of that peak. So what what are the and it's amazing how well that lines up. So well, what, also you can say, too, that if 77, if 74 peaked with our 2022 and then 77 was the nadir, so to speak, that means that 2024, we could still see inflation come down lower than where it is now. And that would only make everything a lot more complacent, right? Which would, of course, just like what happened in the 70s, make things really dicey for what could potentially happen to get us back to those 1979 levels. We're back. <laughs> Wait, the, the chat is so funny right now. Uh, George is saying we need that old 50s test pattern on the screen, which is so true. And I know, Mish and I know exactly what you're talking about. There's probably somebody in the, in the chat who doesn't. Uh, someone else is saying, Shane, it's not your fault. Welcome to your first live daily briefing. This rarely happens, but we were all joking that we're going to be tortured into the holiday because we're already <laughs> half on vacation mode. And somebody thinks Paul Tudor Jones took you offline, Mish, because he doesn't agree with your inflation. Uh, so we Actually, love it. That's Thank not true. Actually, that is not true. Paul Tudor Jones has been saying this, that he, so let me go, go to the reasons why. He's Wait, one more thing. And Matt yeah. Moon said, where do I put another quarter in? We love you guys. Thank you for your sense of humor and your patience. Okay, so- and I've done so many of these interviews with you guys and that has never happened. Yeah, it's been, so. It's I think as everybody's online trying to get their travel plans changed if they're in the East Coast because of the storm <laughs> that's coming. Right. We can go on and on. So anyway, so we were, we're just looking at the, the screen. You were just going to talk to us about what- what the maybe policy steps that led to that happening in the 70s and 80s could line up if, if this is what to watch for anyway. Right. So there are really three, besides the obvious geopolitical stress heats up again, seems like the things in Gaza have more lateralized. So that's not really been a factor. No, whoops, Maggie, you're now frozen. Well, just keep going. Can you hear me? I can hear. Okay, great. Um, just in terms of policy, if the Fed might be forced to buy our debt, which we know is well over 30 trillion, if that's the case, that means that they would have to actually go more towards a QE and digitally print money, which would, of course, devalue the currency, which is also already, as we've seen most recently, under some pressure with still conversations around about pricing oil and something else other than the dollar. Uh, also, you know, yuan getting a little bit of a pickup. Even the yen finally bottomed against the dollar this week. Mm -hmm. So that would be one thing to look at is what happens if nobody wants to buy our debt and the Fed's stuck having to buy it. Okay, Number let me just interject. I think there was an auction today that went well though, right? It so did. This is it the kind well. of like, with this steady stream of supply that's coming eventually, maybe it doesn't go well and they've got to come in as buyer of last resort. Right. And also we now had some kind of resolution to 
the closure of the government, a government default got averted again. But this is another type of default that could happen, actually. The other thing is good old Milton Friedman economics. Our money supply right now is really super low. And that's because the Fed decided to control inflation with 21 hikes of the interest rates, leaving the money supply alone. And at some point, that money supply will have to be replenished. That, too, can be extremely inflationary. So the other thing is that I'm seeing projections from Morgan Stanley in particular, and I like the economist that works there. I know her personally, Zentner. And she's saying three rate cuts in 2024, five in 2025. That sounds like a reaction to fears of recession, which, of course, we know is exactly what happened going back to the 70s, is we got recessionary. The Fed reversed course and started reducing the interest rates. And then, boom, inflation got out of control. So, you know, these are really the things that we're keeping an eye on. Now, that doesn't mean you have to trade with that level of fear right now. But going back to that graph, Maggie, I think what's so fascinating is it's a mirror image. Mm -hmm. And if it's a mirror image, it should be at least referred to and watched. Yeah, well, well. Well said, Mish. Um, and Christopher, I'm not sure if you missed that. He was asking for a recap. It's just looking at this period uh, between 1966 and 1982, you saw a big decline in inflation and then a big spike back up. Um, and they track really, really closely. So the concern is, and I think, Mish, you rightly point out, if it happened before, could it happen again? Not saying it is, but as we go over all the time, this is a game of probabilities. And so given some of the things that could line up, it's worth at least keeping on your radar, which right now, if you look at market reaction, it's like done, right? Inflation is done. And so that's going to be perhaps where the tension is, but that's a longer term story. So curious, given that, how you're thinking about commodities right now, uh, because we've seen, and you know, that's a big grouping, so we can split it up into energy, certainly in food. Um, do you see the potential for that to turn around or what's happening? Give us short term and then kind of medium long term how you're thinking about the commodity space. Okay. Well, there's, yes, there's many different categories of commodities. So, you know, and we've talked about this now on this show for two years that I'm still thinking that food commodities um, are not necessarily rolling over. Maybe some are, but some aren't. And of course, we always have to start with my probably rock star famous call out in sugar uh, with Real Vision audience. And it's still trading at close to 28 cents a pound, which was really the highs that we have seen and not for a very, very long time. So if you think about the 70s, it was exactly what happened when sugar peaked and then it came off and then in 79, it started going up to about 40, 45 cents a pound. If it breaks out over this 28 cents and it closed at like 27.60 in the continuous contract today, that's, I, I, that's very hard to argue with, right? I mean, sugar is the insidious substance that's in every food, comfort food, but also really basically a staple around the world. We know that cocoa went to 1978 highs. Gee, what a coincidence. Another 1970 reference this last week. Orange juice went to new all-time highs. Why? Because of weather. And then, of course, they had some kind of a crop disease that, that, that continued to impact it. And now, all of a sudden, I'm looking at soybeans 
And you have Argentina and you have Brazil having tremendous drought. In fact, Taylor Swift had to cancel her concert, right? Because it was 140 degrees. Someone died, actually. Yeah. Someone died, mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, besides the fact that it's Taylor Swift and somehow she manages to get her, her name in any headline. In any news, in any news <laughs> item. It's like not even seven degrees of separation. It's just one. <laughs> exactly. But still, 140, I mean, think about 140 degree Fahrenheit. Yeah. I, I, I can't even fathom it. But the point is, is that, you know, people have dismissed weather issues and now people are focusing, if we move on to oil, that we're actually possibly going to have a milder winter, which is why natural gas has gotten killed and, and go to the tank. That looks more deflationary. So it's, it's nuanced, but commodities are nuanced. And they ha are volatile and they do get 20, 25% corrections. Mm. And then when they go parabolic, just put up an OJ chart. You can see what it looks like when something goes parabolic, when it gets to that point where everybody wants in. And so that's my long-term view. And my short-term view, though, going back to soybeans, I started to mention, if you look at the January contract of soybeans, it's trading at around 1360, 1370, gets to 1380, 1400. We're not that far from highs that we saw at that peak of 2022. And this is with supposedly different fundamentals, right? Mm -hmm. Rising interest rates. So that has to make you scratch your head and go, well, if these food prices are going up even with these higher interest rates, are they anticipating lower interest rates? I don't think so. But lower interest rates wouldn't certainly only embolden them considering they're, they're really high price at these levels. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. All right, so we have to watch that space. So it sounds like don't, don't, do we chase them from here or you just want to kind of watch? I don't think see? it's a chase. I think yeah. they're basing out. I mean, I, I think trading something like NVIDIA might be a more of a chase over $500. But at commodities, you have to remember, these are not corporate shares. These are actual raw materials. I read today that going through the Panama Canal, some ship paid, I don't know, some ridiculous price to get through because they've had problems getting ships through. There are still problems. The flo flotation, uh, the, 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 the vessels that are out at sea that are actually holding crude oil, they're down to two and three quarter year lows. So, you know, you, it depends on what fundamental you want to look at. So mm -hmm. with commodities, if you start to get moves over 28 cents or over 1,400 in soybeans, or if you look at gold, over 2,000, I know I've been talking about gold forever, but it hasn't really gone anywhere. It's kind of like in weight and seam mode, and now actually miners have done a little better. If you take a look at some of these basic commodities that could spell trouble, they're not overpriced compared to NASDAQ, which looks a lot more overpriced, mm. that doesn't mean it can't get more and more overpriced. But still, I still think the ratio between equities and commodities favors commodities. That's a really, really good point. So that and that was my next one. Can you can you if you're bullish commodities, does that mean you are bearish tech or or can you can you think that there are gains? Because it feels like tech is the is the rally that people just hate on because there's been so much concern about it being overvalued. And yet it continues to lead. We saw today the NASDAQ uh, leading the market. We know Microsoft was one of the big leaders today. Of course, there's news around Sam Altman and OpenAI and all the drama that's happening there. But this, this sort of, you know, 
money flowing into AI seems sort of unstoppable right now. How are you thinking about the NASDAQ? Do you look at it as a whole sector or are you cherry picking around within that? Well, our quant models, and thank God for them because they're mathematical and they're not going to get scared like we humans do when we see lofty prices that can't go higher when they can. They've all been long, NVIDIA and Meta and Google and Adobe and semiconductors and actually, you know, reached some targets lately. So the pure math is telling you that that is in a trajectory to continue to go forward. And in terms of inflation, these companies that we're talking about have already proved pricing power, number one. And number two is AI. Nobody really knows yet what the value of it is. We do know, though, it's going to control our lives. And obviously, that's what we're seeing with companies like Microsoft. So when I'm going to look at where inflation might impact, you have to look at the more inside sectors of the economy, Maggie. You have to look at the retail. You have to look at the small caps. You have to look at transportation. Now, they have all rallied from the lows that we saw in this October, but they are nothing compared to what's happening in NASDAQ. So let's take small caps and retail. I love those two in particular, Granny and Grandpa. IWM right now went from 160, it struggled today to get back over 180. The high in July was 200. So we're still in the middle of the range there. Mm-hmm. If you look at the retail sector, that was the one reason why I knew the market wasn't going to crash more in October is that that held such an important level at 57. If we look at XRT, which was an 80 month moving average, which it had broke, I would have started thinking recession, but held. But where did it go? From 57 to 64, it's still not even over a 23-month or a two-year business cycle. And these are all things we've talked about in the past. So that's where you're seeing the impact and where you will continue to see the impact if any of these things come to pass. Food takes another leg up. Something happens with oil, although right now we're more range-bound there. Um, Or anything that can happen in terms of what we talked about with Fed making a misstep from a monetary policy, those are the areas that are going to be impacted more than NASDAQ for sure. That doesn't mean NASDAQ wouldn't get impacted, but this is all speculative at this point. That's why NASDAQ keeps flying, but the others are kind of like going, okay, we're going up, but there's still some problems here with the economy. Labor, you know, which was supreme. You have jobless claims going up. You've had some slower numbers, housing issues. I mean, the market is confused here. And inflation will be the thing that will clarify it. Yeah, small caps can continue to fly, in which case, you know, new highs all around, or mm, inflation's not necessarily away, and we'll start to see the small caps come back down. And that, of course, will create profit taking in the in the in the large caps as well. Mm. So do you because a lot of people were talking about the fact that, oh, when you saw that big move. Uh, November first, and 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 what's been happening since then? You're, it's broadening out. It's looking a lot healthier. You know, you had some big moves in all these different sectors. Are you looking? Are you going to need to continue? Should we continue to look at the Russell and something like retail for confirmation that this can continue into year end? Absolutely, yes. I mean, that is where my eyes are. Every time I see Nasdaq make a new high or NVIDIA today getting up to 504, my eyes immediately go to IWM. They immediately go to XRT. What are they doing? What are they telling us? You know, and I didn't make this up. I may have made up the economic modern family, but it was Stanley Druckenmiller who called these the inside sectors of the U.S. economy because they are. I mean, Mm. that's really where you're going to get the best picture. 
Uh, Rick asking, tens seem to be drawn to the 200-day moving average, 420-ish. What are your thoughts on the longer end of the curve? Oh, you're talking about the, the yields, you mean? Yeah. Um, well, you know, again, right now, um, I, I think we saw a good auction today and the yield curve has come in a little bit. Um, I'm not really the expert in the whole bond levels as, as, as other people that are on your show are. But I will say that this is exactly, again, let's go back to mirroring history. This is exactly kind of what happened where things started to come in and things got more relaxed. I know we have the minutes coming out. Everybody's looking at that. I don't know how that's going to be much of an impact. But nonetheless, it's really going to be more, the yield curve is going to be more impacted now if inflation doesn't necessarily start going back up until 2024, will be more impacted right now by the economic numbers that are coming out and the Fed's taking a big giant pause. I mean, yeah. I don't know if that really answers your question, but that's that's my knowledge base. Right. What um, We have some questions about gold. I know you're looking at metals. I think, so talk to us a little bit about metals and what you're seeing. And I think copper has been, that's been tough. So. What are you looking yeah. at for copper and gold? Well, you know, it's funny because with copper, it was the one area on our risk gauges over the weekend that still showed a risk off. Uh, and there you go. I mean, that's exactly what we're talking about in terms of is there real economic growth happening right here? And when, I'm not even going to get into more government spending because that's another hot topic, but it's going on, right? And so that's, I think copper is really basically saying, hmm, you know, maybe the EV move is not necessarily as prevalent as people thought, although that could certainly change because um, copper is a big uh, metal for, for EVs. But also in terms of the housing market, it's feeling the pinch there. I wouldn't lose track of it, but yeah, not necessarily where I'd want to be a buyer, although I've been watching XME, which is the ETF for metals, industrial metals. And that's looking like over 52, 53, where it's trading right now, like it could be getting ready for another big breakout, which would drag copper along with it, I'm guessing. Hmm. Gold. Gold is so interesting. Um, I mean, I think everybody should have some position in gold. And when it dips, you know, obviously that's a good buy opportunity. This has been when it looks terrible, buy, when it looks great, sell. And that's the way it's going to stay until one day that changes. And then to me, the one day that it changes is going to be, it breaks out over this major level. And instead of the sellers coming in, you're going to see buyers flocking in like crazy, just like what we saw in some of those soft commodities. And I still believe that. So it's trading at 1980. So it's been between 1900, 2000, $100 level in gold is nothing really. And so I'm waiting very patiently. I like the overall chart. I think the momentum has to improve more, but I'm still waiting for a move over 2000. We've been long forever, and I don't see any reason to change that position. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Hey, I'm Nate Thurston, and I'm supposed to write a 30-second ad that tells you everything you need to know about my podcast, Good Morning Liberty, which I co-host with Charlie, my best friend of 20 years. That's a tough feat to accomplish, but let's give it a shot. At Good Morning Liberty, we cover the news every day from an individual liberty perspective. We believe that you own yourself, and a tyrannical, overreaching government is the biggest threat to your liberty. If you agree, you can find a new episode every day of the week on your podcast app or by going to BernieLies.com in your browser.
Uh, Nivtej and Antifragile, those metal questions were for both of you. You had some form of a question in there. So Mish, you're kind enough to send over some picks, check in on some we've talked about before. And um, there's some, I think, new ones on here. We got to start with coin though. You have been bullish on this for a long time. And that call has been spot on. I just looked before we came on. I mean, I know it's been on a tear. It's up 214% year to date. That's just crazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of proud of that one this year because I stuck to the guns. And- you did. And that was a very contrarian move. I think you and Rao are the only two people that were, well, not the only. Oh, yay. I like when I'm on. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of others that I've talked to on spaces that have also mentioned uh, that they were very bullish in coins. So that kind of helped me with a little bit more confidence. Not that I need anybody's affirmation on anything at this point in my life, but still when it comes to that trade, because it was volatile and it was, it looked like, it was almost like gold, right? It looked like it was going to just crack under $70 a share. And then it just completely turned around and everybody thought it was going to be the announcement of the ETF spot, which hasn't necessarily happened yet. But there's been a lot of other very bullish fundamentals for Coinbase, including some of the altcoins that have done very well. And I think on the last time I was on the show, we talked, we were long Link, Chainlink, we were long Solana. You know, that's those Solana's have been, been on a tear too. On a tear, exactly. So the whole crypto space has been hot. Bitcoin itself is kind of boring here at 3738 sort of in pause, but that too looks like it's ripe. And I love the stories coming out of this Argentinian presidential election because he, this guy is so filled with anomalies. But one of the most interesting ones, of course, is that he's very, very Bitcoin friendly. Mm. So we'll see that gave, I think Coinbase has shot in the arm today too. It went up to like 105. I'm looking to, I took a little bit of profits at 96, looking to maybe take some more profits, just a little bit higher from here. And then hold that tail and see what happens. That's fun. And so the, some of the crypto uh, in uh, general, is this is this sort of trading like a risk asset? Would you expect as long as stocks are going up and there seems to be that, that risk on, that that's going to continue to move higher? Or do you think it's sort of decoupled and trading more on its own fundamentals now? I think it started decoupling in October because that's when we had our last conversation about all of this. And that's when crypto was starting to get back up over 30,000. And we talked about 28,000 and up was a breakout. It's when we mentioned Solana and Chainlink. So there was already, and at that point, the market was going down before it flipped on November 1st. So I actually, at that point, I had this new theory, which I can briefly say here, which is regional banks and a lot of the banking sector might be experiencing a slow, long, painful death in the future where bartering and, 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 and the way we do business globally will be more through cryptocurrency. And I thought maybe we were starting to see signs of that happening. Now, KRE in the regional bank space has come up. But if you look at it relative to, say, any other aspect of the market, like Nasdaq, it still looks terrible. So I think we may be seeing the decoupling coming more from that more and more people uh, and particularly globally, mm. and, and obviously world leaders, like we just saw with the Argentinian president, believe in the future of cryptocurrency. So I think the decoupling has started. It's just a matter of how long it takes to really see crypto up at uh, Kathy Wood levels. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're following that story closely, as you can imagine. So you're also looking at a couple of other interesting things. Um, 
medical stocks, your bullish medical stocks? Yeah, I, well, there's a couple I've been watching. You know, I, I always like to look around for things that haven't quite hit yet. Now, one has actually, uh, and that's Vaxite, that's PCVX. And, and today was red in the sea of green. So I thought that was interesting because this is exactly the kind of stock that will get my attention now because it means that it's not necessarily following the rest of the market. And I already knew that. If you look at the chart, it's been up at around 52, 53. I believe that's the level. Just maybe make sure before I talk. Yes, it's been about 52, 53, and it backed off a little bit today. That's a very key area because it's a six-month calendar range high. And it's the high of this whole basing that we've had. So if it takes that out, I think that's a very good looking stock. Probably can get up to somewhere between 65 and $70. And it's, you know, it's, it, it, it's a good biomedical stock. The other one is an oldie but goodie. It's still very cheap. That's eHealth. Now eHealth, the reason why I got my interest is that, you know, health insurance costs have soared, even though the CPI numbers show that they went down and we know that's- Yeah, which to talk to anyone seems insane because we're exactly. all dying under the cost of health insurance here in the States. E-Health traded at $150 a share back in the day, and it came way off, totally out of favor. But really what it is, is a shopping for health insurance online, and you get the best deal according to whatever parameters you put in. And that could come back into vogue as health insurance starts to get more and more expensive into 2024. It's trading at around eight right now. You know, I wouldn't jump in necessarily as a buy and hold, but I would certainly be interested, the longer it holds here at over eight, the more interesting it becomes to me. Of course, Marty asking about VNM, Vietnam. Vietnam. Yeah, well, you know, I think we talked that I, we took some profit at 1530 and then it crashed all the way back down to 1150. And, and that was right before we left on our trip. And I thought, oh my God, this is, this is the buy of the century. I can't believe it's actually down there. All right, maybe I missed that. And so got back in over 12. Now it's trading at like 1320. It also came. It's I think it's this is this is a buy and hold to me. And I don't say that very often about anything. But um I really do believe in the future of that particular ETF. Like I believed in Greece and I had to wait a long time from $7 to $37. And I think that uh, this is kind of following that same path. But I got a couple of others I've been watching. Spain. EWP, and again, I'm a little upset at myself. I didn't buy it at 28. Now it looks like it could take out 30. That could be interesting. And I haven't completely lost track of China yet. It's not at the level I want it to be, but it keeps popping back over 25, which tells me if we can get back over 28, 29, that could be interesting too. That's interesting because a lot of people think China's economy is a hot mess and that they're going to really have trouble growing, but you like it. Well, I'm watching it. It's facing. And, you know, I don't, I, I don't necessarily always care about the narrative of the fundamentals because I always find the technicals tell you the story first and then the fundamentals support it. Kind of like what's happening with oil. Everybody was so negative last week. Now all of a sudden people are finding reasons for why it just went from 72 up to nearly $78 a barrel. Oh, yeah, must be OPEC plus. I think you can plug in a fundamental to fit any story that you want. Yeah, that's so true. We've seen that many times and they yeah. change. We're going to do one last one because we're going to, we just go in a couple minutes because we dropped out there. Um, Bumble is Bumble on your list. <laughs> I love it. You said it's the season for love, the dating, yeah. the dating. Well, that's it. I was like, tis the season, right? So, you know, again, I'm thinking like what hasn't moved yet. And I know generationally 
the, the Gen Z generation, I'm, you know, the, everything they do in dating is through app dating, but Tinder has been much more popular than say Bumble. But I, I, I've always been intrigued by the fact that it was a female dominated app. And, you know, you're talking to a person who's been married for like ever. So it's not like I'm an expert in this, but, but, but I just sort of, I looked at the chart. It's another one of those things that it's a terrible looking chart right now until if it's basing out, this could be a huge short covering rally or drawing new interest. And I know they had, they, they're switching their whole business uh, philosophy that they had there. They had a terrible business plan. I, I know they're making some changes. And if those changes work out, if you can get back over $15, again, this closed red again today as well. So these picks don't look all that interesting yet. But, you know, it's like a yet. So keep an eye on it. That's kind of what I'm saying here. And 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 it could it could be that 2024 is the year of, you know, where dating really comes back in a big way. I love it, Mish. I love that you're keeping an eye out for what might come. We already know <laughs> what's happened in the past. Very few people are willing to do that. But we absolutely adore you for sharing some of your some of your sort of forward-looking thoughts with us. Thank you so much, Maggie. It's so great to start the week with you, Mish. Thanks so much. And you all have a very, very happy Thanksgiving. And let's hope the rally continues. Everybody's Absolutely. in a much better mood. <laughs> much better mood. Exactly. We need it. We need it. We, um, we are in a holiday-shortened trading week, of course. Uh, so we are back with you tomorrow. Um, we have some other programming we're going to prepare over the holiday when the markets are closed. Um, but even if we're not on, the Black Friday deals are. There's some really big... Black Friday promos that we have right now for members and non-members. Uh, the, the link is in the description. It's probably in the chat, Brian put it, and you can find out more on the video we're about to play you. So we'll see you all tomorrow. In the meantime, take care and good luck out there.